Ayurveda in a nutshell is a holistic system that looks at your food, your lifestyle and your emotional journey and your body rhythms for preventative health care. And with some conditions, Ayurveda treats it. To be clear, if you have a sudden change in your health, you should go to your GP first. If you have the time, then you would look into Ayurveda and both Ayurveda and yoga are basically the Indian way of getting to know yourself. That's body, mind and soul because your body is the one body you have for this lifetime. So it really is your temple for this lifetime with your soul. Welcome to season four of the Tapping Into podcast. This is a podcast where we explore different spiritual, natural and alternative ways to heal our lives. My goal is to help support you in your journey, whatever stage that may be. In this season, we're digging a bit deeper into the emotions and traumas that often kickstart or accelerate our healing journey. We discuss shame, sex, death, burnout, Ayurveda, breathwork, flower essences, rituals and embodiment, all with a bit of science to back it up at the end really hope you enjoy this season. Welcome to today's episode of the Tapping Into podcast. I hope you've been enjoying the previous episodes of this season and three other seasons if you want to go check them out as well. Today we tap into Ayurveda with the wonderful Pooja Veda. So Ayurveda is a huge topic and we could spend hours chatting about it. So we tried to keep this high level and practical with some simple steps that you can take from today to start improving your digestion and ultimately your health. Pooja is an Ayurvedic practitioner and her aim is to help her clients get to know themselves and their body. She's also a qualified yoga teacher. So in this episode, we chat about what Ayurveda is and where it comes from. Pooja shares with us how the five elements of earth, air, fire, water and ether make up the three doshas. We discuss the importance of digestion and balance for our health and how food can impact the balance of our thoughts and emotions too. Pooja gives us some great simple daily rituals that we can start doing today to improve our digestion and get our mind, body and soul flowing with ease. And she gives some great tips at the end about listening to our own body and trusting our inner knowing. Please follow Pooja on Instagram, wellnesscoach underscore Pooja Veda. That's P-U-J-A-V-E-D-A. All in the show notes too. And jump onto her website and download her free insider guide to Ayurveda for loads more tips. That's www.poojaveda.com. Enjoy this chat and do jump into my DMs and let me know what you found interesting and what you might start doing as a result. Enjoy. Hi Pooja, welcome to the Tapping Into podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. It's so lovely to have you uh, come and chat to me about Ayurveda. And I, I'm self-confessed, don't know a huge amount about Ayurveda, which is why I'm really excited to learn more. And I first came in contact with it was when I was in India. Um, we went on our honeymoon for five weeks and we went north to south. And by the time I got to south, I was in very much need of a massage and some TLC. And I went for an Ayurvedic massage and the oil that they used and the volume of oil they used um, was, was incredible. It was so luxurious and so lovely. But in a way, I just kind of associated Ayurveda with massage, you know, at that point because that was all I had really um, experienced. So it's really great to kind of have a deeper dive into the Ayurveda system. And I know we just discussed before we we press record, we could literally do 10 podcasts on this. So we are going to try and keep it high level, accessible, and hopefully with some tips at the end as to how we can take some principles into our everyday life. So welcome and thank you again. Thank you. So... Let's start with what is Ayurveda. Before we get into your story, let's just kind of go for the, go in for the jugular. (laughs) I like to say in a nutshell. In a nutshell, it's the Indian system of medicine before allopathy or Western medicine came in. It's a Vedic science, uh, sister science of yoga. So yoga is also a science. And 
I actually looked up the definition of science before I came on because I do meet a lot of people that say, oh, but it's not science and they don't know what science actually is. So these are Vedic sciences. A science is the intellectual and practical activity encompassing the systemic study of the structure and behavior of the physical and natural world through observation and experiment. So I just wanted to highlight that Ayurveda and yoga and the other two Vedic sciences, these are over, they say 5,000 years minimum, but a lot older. They're not woo-woo, they're sciences. And just because we may not understand things around them doesn't mean they're not a science. So I think that's just an important point I wanted to start with. And Ayurveda and yoga, both of them, they're interweaved within the culture I say the Indian culture, but my caveat is I can only speak for myself and my experience. So when I say Indian culture, please just know that's me. Everybody else might be thinking, what's she talking about? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, little things that you grow up with, like uh, my mum would say, don't mix fish and dairy. And I just thought she was being a bit mental. But that's something Ayurvedic about food combinations. Ayurveda in a nutshell is a holistic system that looks at your food your lifestyle and your emotional journey and your body rhythms for preventative health care and with some conditions Ayurveda treats it to be clear if you have a sudden change in your health you should go to your GP first if you have the time then you would look into Ayurveda and both Ayurveda and yoga are basically the Indian way of getting to know yourself that's body mind and soul because your body is the one body you have for this lifetime so it really is your temple for this lifetime with your soul yeah it's amazing it feels like a very personalized and individualized science it really is and also another thing to note is that people can only guide you myself included but you know you so mm. whether that's how tired you are or how food affects you so I like to say that I look at Ayurveda as um looking at project you it's not a silver bullet you won't necessarily do it and everything magical will fall in your lap it's a really lovely way of getting to know you but it does take time and patience and you mentioned earlier experiments so it really is an experiment of of figuring out what works for you exactly it's, it's, it's never one broad brush for everybody there's a few basic things like getting good sleep's good for you you know those things are good for clearly everyone yeah. But a lot of it is very tailored to where you are, your balance, your digestion, your ethnicity. You might notice when you go on holiday, your digestion works differently in a hot place than a cool place. There's a lot of other factors. So that's what I love about it. It's like a big puzzle. Yeah, it sounds like <laughs> uh, complex and overwhelming, <laughs> but something that has lasted for over 5,000 years. And I feel that it's getting more traction. Do you feel like that, that it's becoming, people are becoming more aware of, of this again? It's getting, I would say, misappropriated like yoga mm -hmm. has been. So what I would say is it is taking it with a pinch of salt because you don't know who's bringing that knowledge in and people mistranslate things. You get people studying for a week in India and then calling themselves an Ayurvedic practitioner because it's not regulated, which is kind of good and bad in a way. Yeah. It's just doing your due diligence. So if you go and see a practitioner, Ayurvedic practitioner, if they're not a full-on Ayurvedic doctor from India or Sri Lanka, I do recommend just doing your due diligence. And yeah, making sure that they've got good quality qualifications. Yes, yes. And also someone that you can trust because it's not Ayurveda instead of Western medicine. It's together. A lot of our family friends or my dad's friends uh, doctors have been doctors all their lives because they're Indian they use Ayurveda too so they just you know it's oh, wow. complementary so also don't look at it as either or we can use these together use it together yeah for mm. a good friend of mine um, was diagnosed with breast cancer and she started on an Ayurvedic diet as well as then getting her treatment um, that she had you know planned to get um, and is now cancer free for many years so the the promise of kind of Ayurveda helping to diagnose the root cause of something, where does, where does that come in? Every disease has an emotional element to it, whatever it is. 
And Ayurveda starts right back at the point, instead of when your disease is already manifested, which is when people tend to go to the doctor, in Ayurveda, there are six stages, samprapti, of how a disease manifests. And that very first stage is the stage where you might start waking up tired or you're not going to the toilet every day. You know, that very first, Mm-hmm. Or you might even just feel off. I first saw an Ayurvedic doctor when I just didn't feel like myself. I couldn't explain it. You know, it's intuitively listening to your body back at that stage and then finding your way from there. When it comes to the root cause, some of my clients I talk through, for example, when asthma has started or when their MS has started, and it tends to be when a major life event has happened emotionally. So Ayurveda, that nutshell is Ayurveda is about your digestion, being the root of your health, digesting your food, but also digesting your thoughts and digesting your emotions. Just all three of it looks at all three of those. And some clients come to me and they're, they're not ready to talk about what they've gone through or maybe I'm not the right person for them to talk about it with. Maybe they will need a counsellor, maybe they need more time or maybe they is setting them off on that path to digest and go through. Or I might recommend people to you. There's different, I look at it like a wellness toolbox. So I like to recommend other things also that I think could help someone digest these things. But going back to the question of where it manifests or the root cause, it could be very easy to see or it could take a bit of digging. Unraveling. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I see that a lot with my clients as well, because they come to me because of emotional overload, really, um, due to trauma and stuff. And some people are coming to me because of the physical manifestation of that experience. And others are are more preventative and wanting to not get to a point where they're their emotions cause them physical dis-ease in the future. And I th- hopefully, I, th- I think awareness of that, the, the emotional link to physical health is changing. And I, you reminded me there of my mum used to say, I used to belch a lot as a child, like all the time. Um, I'm still prone to a bit of a burp, especially when I'm um, doing tapping. Um, and my mum used to say I wasn't digesting life with ease. And it's kind of interesting what you said there about the, the digesting your thoughts and digesting your emotions and how that's causing kind of an imbalance or a disruption in the, in the body system. It does. And Western medicine now is catching up with Eastern medicine. I think they call it, I can't remember what they call it. There's Dr. Mark Hyman on Instagram that's an allopathy doctor. It's like a lifestyle medicine. So they're catching up and they they have proven that, you know, on a cellular level, your emotions affect that. I guess you can dig into these things scientifically, but I'm not a scientist. And I guess because because I'm from, I like to call it a wacky culture because it was definitely wacky. And I find the Eastern thing, you know, quite colourful. There's a lot of things that are just ingrained in me. So I don't, I question them to a point. I don't have to know every little thing behind it. It's like watching the sunset. I just enjoy it. I don't have to know every bit behind it. I think that's where some people get stuck because they see Ayurveda and they have to know all of it. But why would you learn when it takes an Ayurvedic doctor seven years minimum? If you mm. see what I mean. If you yeah. can just see how things feel or how they sit with you or what lands with you, that's all you need. You know, these little practical steps that you can do, these daily things that, I think we're going into later yeah it's what whatever whatever lands with you you don't have to do everything I'm nowhere near knowing five percent of Ayurveda but I just know that the little easy wins that I've I sort of discussed on my Instagram account I've had messages saying that it's helped with bloating and other things so if I can just be a vessel to pass what I know or what I think I know <laughs> then that's that that's great for me yeah, that's amazing. Uh, what are the what's the core principles of Ayurveda then, like at a high level? Because I know again we could go on for days. So what is yeah the, the the energy system that they refer to? The energy system of the chakras, which I think has been taken with the New Age holistic 
with Reiki, with all of these things. Everyone follows the chakras. So they started back in the Vedas then, the chakra yes. system. Yeah. They come from the Indian system. Yeah. I believe there might be another system I don't know of, but what I know of. <laughs> yeah. Indian. And based on your digestion, as I say, it's the your digestion drives your health. And again, Western medicine is now saying everything starts with your gut biome. It's all about the gut. Yeah. So Ayurveda is ahead of the curve. Mm-hmm. Already on that page. Equally, because our food habits have changed and the way we grow things have changed, quite a lot has changed. When people say they're demystifying Ayurveda now, that's more about there's there's not de- demystifying because you still eat. If you eat every day, you need to go to the toilet every day. It's still about moving with your body rhythm and the rhythm of nature there's not really that much to demystify. As I said, mm. it's a really big, big topic um, that I could talk all day about. But the centre of it is your digestion. As I say, digesting your food, digesting emotions, digesting thoughts. Um, and so on the the food part, what are the um, tips or aids for improving our digestion? Listening to your body. And this, that's, that's pretty hard to do. For instance, I live in London, so running to work, I'm in the corporate world, running to work and you have this time to, you may have an hour to eat and you may not be hungry, right? So going against your body. If you're hungry, your digestive juices are there, so they're ready to clearly do their job. Whereas if you eat when hunger isn't there, your food won't digest properly. Wow. It's just so much of it is just su- such common sense and also I feel that in Britain I really don't know a lot about this but I feel that we had our own medicine with the witches and herbs and eating seasonally but it just seems that in India their books were kept lots got burnt and there are still lots of books but I feel like in Britain we, we sort of lost that a bit but essentially it's listening to your body food wise eating seasonally and eating food from your own grown lands there'll be exceptions so for example I cook Indian food for my dad when I see him lots of stuff like that is imported but when I'm buying vegetables I try and get those vegetables that are in season that are from the UK it's a difficult job and obviously it's a privilege because I can afford to eat lots of people can't even afford to eat at the moment yeah. and they're just eating what they can yeah so it's it's eating food wise it's eating when you're hungry eating seasonally and not eating past a certain time so not eating late and then going to bed because your body's winding down so your digestion is not at its strongest in Ayurveda the preference is to have your biggest meal at lunch when the sun is at the highest because your digestion is the most powerful then but practically that may not work for you and if that doesn't then I just say have your if your main meal is in the evening just try and leave two or three hours before bed and don't go and have a massive steak at eight o'clock then go to bed at nine o'clock because you know that you won't be able to sleep <laughs> yes I've actually started trying to broaden the the gap between my last meal of the day and then the first meal the next day um not huge fasting but you know five five thirty six through to maybe nine the next day so is is fasting part of the Ayurvedic principles it depends on your constitution oh okay as well if you're if your constitution your strength and also your reason for doing it I fast if I can when I've got my period because or fast a bit more my, my digestion is never as strong then anyway but it suits me and I'm quite copper body so we can go into that later but chunky loving my love language is food so fasting <laughs> for me is a good idea whereas you get a lot of very thin people that want to fast and they don't need to fast you get some yeah. people if you're out of balance they will use any excuse to fast or become vegan because that'll make eating harder and fasting is not good for them so it really depends on where you are in your life constitution your reason the way you're doing it is a good good natural break and if you're eating when you're hungry yeah so I was just literally ate some lunch before we chatted 
but I wasn't hungry. And I was thinking, I, I was just, because I had a window of time to do it in. Um, and so that made me think, oh, I must actually wait until I'm hungry to, to have to have food. Um, we touched on briefly the doshas there. Do you want to spend some time going through the, the types, the three types? Everything in the universe comes from the masculine and feminine energy. And that's actually matter and energy. So Vedic science is quantum physics. It follows that. Out of these two energies, you get five, they say, water, wind, fire, earth, and ether. Mm -hmm. And everything in the universe is made up of that. The doshas are so much their bioenergetics. They affect climates. They affect our constitution. All illnesses come out of an imbalance of them in your body and they're responsible for different bits of your body. So they're, they do many things. I think it's important to say that they are also a marketing dream because clearly if you're buying products, someone might say, oh, you're about to buy this really expensive product and you may have that kind of body, but the imbalance you have is something else. So it's a bit of a marketer's dream. So I, I like to say to take this with a pinch of salt if we use constitutions pitta is fire and water and a predominance of having that in your constitution we're all made up of all of those i have vata i have pitta i have kapha all of us do we have a unique mix and when they go out of balance that's when you have an ailment but when my clients come to me, first thing I want to know is their dosha. I might not be able to tell them because I'm seeing the imbalanced you. I'm not seeing the balanced you, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah. And also it depends what side of you I'm seeing. So my teacher at the Ayurvedic clinic had just looked at me and said, you're copper because I've got big boobs. <laughs> um, it's a side and she doesn't see that, if that makes sense. So it depends sometimes what someone sees of you. Out of those three constitutions, vata, the wind and air constitution, body-wise, this can be slim, very creative, very chatty. If you're at the pub, it's your friend that likes to chat, wants to go and talk to people. Out of balance, can be really anxious, can talk too much, or can be introverted and just shut down. If we're going with the pub analogy, your pitter friend is the one that will organise going to the pub. <laughs> so pitters and their imbalance can make good leaders. They're efficient, like to get things done. When they're out of balance, they can be very snappy, frustrated, um, angry. And then the third group in your pub, pub group of friends would be the friend that you always call your loyal friend for support, which is Kappa. Yeah. A good listener. They love to cook or can love to cook body wise more curvy and when we're talking about fasting it would be the vata types of people that would fast in a heartbeat pitta type of people if you told them what to do they'd do it by the letter and copper people would say oh i better not fast my blood sugar level might get messed up <laughs> <laughs> that's a complete generalization but they're three kind of main they are the main constitutions they were made up of them. So even though I'm very copper, I'm pitta, I'm a mix. In yeah. the winter, which is more copper season, my cup is likely to go out of control. Now in the summer, which is pitta season, my pitta side could go out of control. So I change how I eat according to the seasons because I know how to keep myself in balance. And I say that 99% of the time I'm not in balance. <laughs> so <laughs> it's... it's uh, ongoing process it is but I think if you make it fun because it is fun and again it's a privilege to even look at this because again mm. lots of people can't even eat or look at these have time to look at these things yeah I you know it's it's a privilege to be able to do this and how did you I mean obviously Ayurveda is part of your culture and it's been part of your upbringing what made you want to study in it my mum was diabetic and had a stent in her heart and she had three of us 
didn't have any maternity leave, just went straight back to work. And she was only small. It just, it just battered her body. And I was so frustrated just seeing all the pain she went through and all the medicines they were giving her. And it's, it's always heartbreaking when a parent's ill anyway. But it was annoying me that people would just say, oh, you know, Asians just have diabetes. And I wanted to say, well, actually, you took out her thyroid, you took out her gallbladder. You know, you're taking out some major endocrine organs. Why did she have to suffer? There has to be a better way. And she was very good at Ayurveda if she hadn't been ill, you know, for the first wrong things. But we didn't know an Ayurvedic doctor then. So she just spent years taking some really hard medicine. And she was only a small Indian woman. And I started studying because she loved it and I loved it. And I thought it's something we can do together. I can, you know, write some recipes for from what she cooks. And then unfortunately she passed six months into it. Oh, but I bless. don't think that's a coincidence. And um, I really, truly believe I'll find out a reason one day <laughs> why she left me when she did. But. I intuitively went to see the Ayurvedic doctor. I didn't. I was just in shock, and I just went to the Ayurvedic doctor. Didn't think about it. The Ayurvedic doctor put me on herbs, gave me some advice on you know rituals and things to do. And after a few months, I thought, well, these herbs aren't doing anything. And then I came off them, and I couldn't get off the floor because I was so devastated. So I went from devastation to ultimate devastation. Went back wow. on the herbs, then back to devastation. If that makes sense. Yeah. So, it, so they um, were supporting you and you didn't even realise. They were supporting me, but also I kind of had a grief team. So I had the Ayurvedic doctors. I had a gym in central London that do these classes that, you know, gave me some focus. They don't know they were part of my grief <laughs> team, but they were. So I had a whole, and that's how the Ayurvedic doctors said to me, you know, build, build this thing, support, support system, system to help you. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Goodness, what a journey. And obviously does sound like a, a meant to be kind of transition for you in on, on your path. And obviously moving from you're in corporate world still. And are you planning to transition to support, you know, people through Arveda? Yes, I'd like to. At the moment, I'm sort of doing both. I'm passionate about educating about Ayurveda. Mm. I feel that lots of people are complicating it or writing you know, whether you see websites, I think Kim Kardashian just had sort of an Ayurvedic practitioner. <laughs> it's coming in hard now. Yeah. Instead of going to this upper level and being bamboozled by it all, it's really passionate about getting those practical steps out. Just whether you do five handful of, you know, a handful of steps that suit you that are practical and leave all this for now because you don't need to know all of this now. So I'm passionate about that first rung. Yeah. Because it can just avoid so much, even bloating. So many people say that they have bloating and then you dig into it and they mix fruit and yogurt, which isn't a good mix in Ayurveda. They stop mixing it. They don't get bloating. You know, these really simple, simple things. Oh, That's my goodness. what I'm trying to get out. I'm just thinking of my dad. That is, I need to talk to him about this. Okay, so let's, let's, let's have a chat about these practical things that people can do. Because obviously... You know, this podcast is listened to by moms and parents um, who are busy, who don't have time to educate themselves really in the bigger scheme of things. But like you say, we don't need to. So where, where do we start? I would start with a few dinacharya, which means daily practice. And one game changer for a lot of people too, actually. One seems to be scraping your tongue with a copper tongue scraper. Mouth health is really important, and they've proven it Western-wise, Eastern-wise. affects heart disease, Alzheimer's, so many things. What? And if you just – and the thing I love about this is that you don't take my word for it. If you do it, it's just such a game-changer. From brushing your tongue with your toothbrush, which does nothing, versus if you get a copper tongue scraper and use that gently, not really hard. You just sort of gently scrape your tongue in the morning. So first thing you do when you get up is brush your teeth, scrape your tongue, and you see the goo, that's not the professional name for it, <laughs> that comes off it. You're just like, this is amazing. Your mouth is still so much cleaner. It's If you do I mean, that alone, my job is done. I'm in shock, actually, that it's been proven to prevent Alzheimer's. 
studies done about mouth bacteria, not not that that specific tongue scraper will stop you getting Alzheimer's yeah. alone, but the mouth health. Mouth health. And when you when you start scraping your tongue versus not doing it or doing it with a toothbrush, your your mouth will just feel so much cleaner. And it's so something practical that you can feel yeah. working. So that is my number one tip. Okay, I'm going to buy one of those today. Yep. <laughs> and number two tip is drinking a warm glass of water first thing in the morning. Because what that does is one, hydrate you from, you know, uh, for the morning. Yeah. But secondly, it just flushes your kidneys through and gets things working and it gets your bowels working. So I've also had people that have had constipation or find it a little bit hard to get the bowels moving in the morning because Ayurvedically you're in top health, perfect health when you wake up in the morning and you need the toilet and empty your bowels. Oh, okay. And so if you struggle or things are not really working, then wake up, clean your mouth, then have a glass of warm water. And if you don't like warm water, then a herbal tea. And um, can you put lemon into that water as well? You can. The only thing I'd say about lemon, because I made this mistake a few years ago, pre-Ayurveda, is one summer I was having lemon water every single day and I pushed my pitta out of balance. (laughs) Because anything it's like anything if you have something too much you can put yourself out of balance so lemon water is good but if you start noticing any changes even if you start getting short-tempered could be that you're having lemon water every day lemon is heating lime is cooling okay so could you mix it up you can Um, mix it up i always mix it up i change things around every few weeks yeah because anything can be a medicine, but that same thing can be a poison if you have too much of it. Right. And you wow. can swap it for lime, and lime is cooling. There's so many things you could have. It. There's so many beautiful drinks to have. I just they don't kill yourself over having the same drink the one. every day. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So the, the warm to hot water is the key, and if you have to put in something, you could mix it up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And the hotness of the the water, because I've I've heard a debate around kind of warm to versus hot. Why is that better than cold, for example? Cold water in the morning. So warm water is more easily absorbed into your body because already near that temperature. If you drink cold water, your body will have to warm it up. Yeah. And also to not much information at you but that digestion that's the main bit of ayurveda it's called the digestive fire in english if you drink cold water you're dampening that fire i'll just put it in in those kind of words yeah and again it's a good experiment you can do yourself you can wake up in the morning have a glass of cold water oh that makes me shiver and see (laughs) and see how long it takes you to to go to the toilet and then another day wake up and have the warm or hot water and see how long it takes you. It's a good Amazing. little experiment to see yeah. one how hydrated you feel, and two how quick it just passes you, through you. If you it's expel. Not yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. Okay, so that's the tongue scraping in the morning and the hot water before anything else. Okay. Yeah, because also I must say I am a coffee lover, and on occasion mm. I do have coffee first thing. But even by logic, if you do that every day, that is a stimulant and you're pumping that through your kidney first thing in the morning every day. You don't even need to know the science behind that. It's, you just know it's probably not the greatest idea. And I do yeah. love my coffee, but I make sure I have that water, I eat and then I have a coffee. But uh, if I do have a coffee on an empty stomach, I'm, I'm not going to cry about it. If I yeah. do the right thing, you know, 70, 80 percent of the time, that's great. Exactly. And it's about balance, isn't it? You know, and no one is perfect. Um, And also kind of the focus there is the digestive health, isn't it? You know, so you're kickstarting that digestive system. And you mentioned this fire. If we think about the fire being the fuel to support the and burn and, and, and process the food, then obviously you want to be in that that place in the morning. You do, and and I don't have children. A lot of my friends do. How hectic it is in the morning, slash cute, slash hectic with <laughs> children. 
<laughs> but even if, if even if your one big takeaway is to sit down and have a minute or two with hot water and disregard everything else, then that's a really good win. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, talk to us now a little bit about throughout the day. So that what you just said there about fruit and yogurt, like that's, I never would have thought of that. And my dad suffers from bloating and he would have fruit and yogurt for breakfast. The academics behind it are meant to be that fruit takes half an hour to digest. Everything else takes longer. So if you mix fruit, it just sits in your stomach and ferments Ah. and that can cause the gas and the bloating. But as I say, the great thing about these things is just try it. Just try it and separate and see. So could you eat the yogurt first or do you you eat the fruit first and then you'd have yogurt afterwards? The better thing to do is eat the fruit first, wait half an hour and then eat the yogurt. Right, yeah. It also depends on what if your dad has anything else. So my dad has asthma, so bless him. Yes, my dad has asthma. Ah, So I banned my dad from yogurt. Oh, (laughs) Which took him a very long time because they're Punjabi, and I don't know why, but Punjabi people seem to like yogurt. <laughs> but dairy um, produces mucus. Yes. And your digestion's not working well. So, what that means is if your digestion is working nicely, you create this armor or toxin anyway, but normally you would just poo that out. That would just go. Your body can get rid of it. If you've got an imbalance, that armour or toxin will float to your weak part. So in asthma, it will sit on the chest. It will form mucus and it will sit on their chest. Yeah. So I don't, bless, I sound horrible. I don't let my dad have yoghurt anymore. He stopped it. But And I went to his house yesterday and I said, oh, your voice sounds really tough. Are you okay? And he said, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine. Did a bit more digging. He had a little pot of yoghurt the day before. I was like, there you go. <laughs> There you go. Are you rooting in his bins? You know what? I do a little biscuit audit, but I think it's a balance of um, joy. You need to live with joy because other poise what's the point. Like yeah. coffee's technically not good for you, but it's better than a class A drug. You know, so I hate it when people dismiss coffee. But you, if I have my cup of coffee with real joy and it really hits the spot, Ayurvedically, that's good. You know, it's the energy of it. So it's that balance. But for asthmatics, it's better not to have dairy and definitely not to mix. And for your dad, I don't know if he'd like this, if he could cook the fruit, say if it's apples, if you could put some cinnamon, nutmeg, put it in the oven, if he could eat cooked fruit, that would be nice for him. Oh. Is that because it um, aids the digestion of it? Yes. If you eat cooked foods, it's easier for your digestion. If you put raw food in your stomach your body's having to try and cook that too, if that makes sense. And it won't be able to. And it will just make your digestion struggle more. So if you have any ailment or emotionally you don't feel fine, it's it's a nice little, again, experiment. Have some cooked food for a few days. Don't have anything raw, anything dry. Think cooked, nourishing, you know, hug in a bowl. You wouldn't talk about a dry salad and go, oh, it's like a hug in a bowl. No. You talk about like stew or you know something you know warm warming i'm an eft tapping practitioner and trainer and i work with women all over the world helping them truly let go so they can shape their own future free of the conditioning and shackles of the past i've created a tapping into motherhood membership and community where we meet monthly to tap on emotions and issues that are coming up for us We have monthly full moon meditations with guest host Kelly Day. We enjoy guest speakers and I create a tapping or meditation for the month too. As well as that, you have access to a library of over 100 tapping videos, meditations, resources, courses and more. And right now the doors are open for just a short period of time. So check out www.tappingformums.com forward slash join dash membership for all the details and if the doors are closed when you visit you can join a waitlist on my website you can also take my new motherhood self-care toolkit quiz to help you identify which part of your life needs a bit of extra self-care right now is it your mind 
your emotions, your body or your soul. And if you have any questions, do email me, sarah at tappingformoms.com. What are the principles then, kind of, as you move through your day and you're choosing what to eat? You know, because um, at the moment I'm working on increasing protein, reducing uh, refined carbs, not trying to have any um, processed sugar and stuff like that. Um, what are the kind of thoughts in Ayurveda about that? Ayurveda doesn't look at carbs, fat, all of this. It's more about the energies of it. Right, okay. It doesn't look at calorie count. And it also depends on, again, your balance. If anything is out of balance where you are. But when you've eaten, if you feel like you've got energy after you've eaten, you're eating the right food. If you're feeling tired from it, then you're not eating the right food. So the high protein thing, for instance, I've done it, didn't lose any weight. I was going to the gym, did nothing for me, but I'm Indian origin. So that, you know, I tried that, that just didn't work for me. Yeah. Refined carbs across the board, east, west, everybody knows, you know, refined carbs aren't great for you. So it's changing that to something more simple. But Ayurveda-wise, it more focuses on getting your digestion balanced and then eating your cooked food, eating your seasonal food. It's more about that than it is specifics. Yeah. And I think that's a nicer way to look at it, especially for the people who have spent a long time thinking about their weight, the calories, the food, you know, what they're eating, the portion sizes and stuff. And it's this is really about really listening to your body, isn't it? And how um, how removed are we from that? You know, like we really don't give ourselves enough attention to notice or check in how we feel. So do you find that when you're working with your clients that you're having to, you know, really get them to, to, to go within? What I tend to find, because I have aid in yoga, I can only speak for the UK, mm. seems to attract just one sort of uh, demographic, which, which is women, yeah. and busy women. <laughs> I kind of... And, and I'm guilty of this too. When you take too much on and you don't pay yourself enough attention and you're in deficit because, you know, your body's doing all this for you. Every second of every day, your body's working for you and you're paying it no attention at all. And then I, I don't know if this is just British. I keep getting told it's a British thing, but everyone keeps talking about how busy they are. You know, that's all people say. My friends know not to say that to me because I hate it. Just don't tell me you're busy. Say, I maybe I can do this time instead. But I think if you can't make time for your health, when we've got internet, online shopping, all of this stuff that, you know, our parents didn't have, then you've got to look at your lifestyle. And I know that sounds brutal, but we're so privileged. We're so crazily privileged, aren't we, in this country with this technology? 100%, yeah. And especially if you have, when you have children, my mum worked in a factory. She had a degree. She spoke five languages, but they moved to this country. You know, they weren't given jobs, good jobs. And she had three children, couldn't afford not to go straight back to work. And that's where her body suffered. I think, ideally, you want to be in your best health you know, for your children, for yourself. And with Ayurveda and yoga, the point is not to make loads of money off it or to be a celebrity, it was written so that you could be your best self to help your fellow humans. In a nutshell, that, that's what they both are. And with these hectic lifestyles, and I get like it too, you've got the power to wind yourself back and to say five minutes. And if you can't give yourself five minutes for your health, then do you really want it? Yeah, there's going to be a negative impact as a result, isn't there? And even being balanced, when I'm in central London in a job, pre-Ayurveda I would lose my shit sorry to say <laughs> at some things you know it gets so hectic then I'd sit through lunch and work no one was asking me to I was spiraling whereas post-Ayurveda because I'm balanced or more balanced I'm never 100% balanced I can take that step back and go you know it's not I'm not saving my just numbers and actually it's my choice whether I go for that walk around that block being balanced really impacts, for me, work, my friends, my relationship. Do you feel it's empowering that you're 
giving yourself this love and compassion and attention? It really is. I have to say when my mum was alive, I, I was less self-loving. But then the second she died, even things like looking at my body and going, oh, I'm apple shaped. I'll never get rid of this stomach. And then when she died, I was like, I'm really proud of my shape because this comes from my mum. <laughs> and I think things like that and being grateful for, as I say, what a privilege that I can jump into contracts. What a privilege that I could afford to study Ayurveda for two and a half years. What, yeah. You know, all of this is such a privilege. And that's my parents' mindset and that culture's mindset. But there's a balance of going, it's a privilege. But actually, I've worked very hard to get this knowledge. And I'm, you know need to pass that on in a respectful way it's an energy exchange isn't it the energy of balance it really is and if you give the people things for free they don't appreciate it so I try and give away um, a free consultation every few months to someone that you know I, I look around and see who you know what who speaks to me but I need to start doing that not for people that can afford it for people that can't afford it but I guess they wouldn't be looking for Ayurveda because even as a minimum there's not really that much point talking about Ayurveda if someone can't eat. Yeah. So I give some of my money to food banks and these kind of things because as a minimum, if you can't eat them, what can you do? If you're hungry, how can you think? That's so beautiful. That's a lovely um, generosity in your giving. And I suppose when we give, we open ourselves to receive. You know, it's this kind of symbiotic relationship with the the universe and the ether, which is part of the the philosophy um so how do we know when we're out of balance so you 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 recognize now that you are a, have a particular dosha type that is dominant but you then know in the winter you can get out of balance in one direction in the summer you can get out of balance in another direction how do we identify when we're out of balance I do think this sounds like I'm plugging myself, but seeing an Ayurvedic practitioner or learning a little bit about Ayurveda, you know, you'll start to learn when you're out of balance. But some easy wins, if I don't go to the toilet every day, if you look at your tongue, this is just general, so don't so don't freak out if <laughs> you take out your tongue. I need a mirror, quick. If you look at your tongue and it's nice and pink, then you're in good shape. If you've got a white coating, I have at the moment, there's just a bit of armour or toxin to come out. When I say toxin, it's, it's not as spooky as it sounds. It's, you know, okay. it's something that needs to come out of your body. Or, you know, that's one of my indicators. So I'm a, but don't get obsessed. I get a bit obsessed with looking at my tongue going, it's not pink. And that's <laughs> the, the pitter part of me. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, yep. If you wake up and you're tired, if you've had, say, eight hours sleep, you wake up and you're still tired then you're out of balance or if your eating times are irregular because your hunger is irregular that's another sign that you could be out of balance if you menstruate and you get any pain or extreme moods you're actually out of balance oh. so there there are there are many signs and as I said earlier I am mostly out of balance but the good thing is it's, it's like the seasons, the seasons change, the day changes, everything's always changing. But when I know I'm really out of balance is when I eat out all the time and I'm grabbing that sandwich. I'm always doing things because I, I say I don't have time to prepare my food, but then I can feel myself getting more lethargic, putting on weight, and then I'll prepare my food, you know, do that food shop, make sure I know what I'm eating for the week. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's this, there's everyone, every individual body has its own signs of being out of balance and you've just described some of them there it does but I do I think waking up feeling like you've had a good night's sleep might be difficult to do when you've got children clearly <laughs> none of my friends um have good sleep but going to the toilet every day is an important one because even you know if you eat every day and things are in there past the day that's toxins that can come back you know you should just it should just be going straight straight through yeah. And I think mood wise as well. So for me, I've identified when I get snappy, I'm out of balance. So ah. if there's something a little bit off, whereas when you're completely in balance, you can just really digest things that come at you, you know, take things a bit more calmly and react in a more measured way. Yeah, a bit more resilience. 
I mean, yesterday I woke up and I felt really hectic, weirdly hectic, like everything was spinning in my head and I'm not usually like that. And I thought whatever I've done or whatever I need to do, I need to ground. And then I meditated, then I went out and walked amongst trees and that's what I needed. So that wasn't even a food thing. That was, I, I can't even, I don't even know what that was, <laughs> but that's what, I, that's what I needed. Amazing. So the next thing I was going to ask was that, you know, we've covered the food part, which is one aspect of Ayurveda, but then the balancing of the thoughts and the emotions are the other aspects. So how do you advise and support people through their be- changing beliefs, identifying beliefs, um, emotions? What, 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 what is advised there? If you're out of balance with your food, that can have a knock-on effect to both. They're, they're all linked. Ah, okay. So it could be, could be linked to that, or it could be that you need, you, it may help you to journal or speak to someone. It could be different people have their ways. So, for example, I use my dad again, 83-year-old Punjabi man, doesn't talk about stuff. Mm. After my mum passed, didn't talk to anyone about stuff. He had a really sore throat. That's his throat chakra being a bit blocked because he's got stuff to get off of his chest. Yeah. And so I made him see the Ayurvedic doctor because one, I'm not a doctor. Two, it's my dad. He'll never listen to me. <laughs> you know, he'll listen to a certain degree, but it's, it's different if he's seeing a Sri Lankan Ayurvedic doctor. Mm-hmm. And then one of the things she gave him was an oil, a certain oil to, to warm and rub on his throat a few times a week. So to loosen that chakra to be able to speak about things a bit more so on the energetics the emotions and the thoughts it could be something else a chakra that needs opening or something active that you need to do to clear it and I'm a massive fan of energy healers Mm. however the one thing I would say is that if you're energy healing that you're not eating the correct food then this there's no point this working anyway because you have to live in this body for this lifetime. It's amazing. So it really does come back to the food and how you digest what you're putting into your body. But also your thoughts, because Mm. if you sat there and start thinking about a stressful situation, you might give yourself stomachache. (laughs) Or if you sit there thinking about a really lovely holiday, then you just feel your energy changing, don't you? Yeah. So your thoughts are incredibly, incredibly powerful. So even if your diet was 100%, that you thought in negative ways, that would still affect you. Yeah, yes. So it's it's the triangle, the mind, body, soul. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. And how does the Arveda link with the yoga? Because you said it was like a sister system. Is it recommended that yoga is done to support the physical body? So the physical part of yoga is a very small part of yoga. Right. Yoga is um, when yoga is meant to be when you can't see a difference between you and the universe. Like you can't feel the difference. You can't fathom the difference. So basically, practically no one is doing actually doing yoga. And at an Indian funeral or at my mum's funeral anyway, the priest spoke of yoga because your body is just for this lifetime. And when you leave your body, your energy goes and gets, you know, joins back with oneness. So yoga and Ayurveda, along with the other four Vedic sciences, they're all very into very much. This is the body that you've been given for this lifetime. These are your choices that you make. How you want to see the world is how the world will be. That's where yoga talks about maya or illusion. Maya, sorry. Like you and I might go and see the same film, go for an evening out, but you'll tell your friend something different to me because we have different perceptions. Yeah. So Ayurveda and yoga will fit in together because they're both about getting to know yourself, becoming your best self. They both have the dinacharya or daily routines. The physical yoga if you have an imbalance, like a pitta imbalance, if you're going through the menopause and you have a high flush, hot flushes, and then you start going to power yoga, that's pitta increasing. So mm-hmm. all you're doing is you're making your menopause symptoms worse. Wow. So I would recommend doing more grounding yoga to cool yourself down. 
So I do prescribe yoga for some clients. It depends what you're looking for, how you need to be balanced. But the type of physical yoga you do can help or exacerbate your balance. So they go hand in hand. So you can see it's quite peculiar to me to see the studios where you go in in tight pants, pay lots of money, (laughs) come out. And nobody talks about the food because they're meant to go, you know, they go hand in hand, these things. It's kind of eye-opening, really, isn't it, that, you know, we've had this information available to us for 5,000 years, and yet we still, you know, it's like the secret of life that we are ignoring <laughs> um, yeah. and, and deciding, to, you know, just, well, I know better, I'm going to do it myself in my way. <laughs> so many people do that. And I think it's a fake it till you make it kind of culture. If I see something where someone's taking a bit of ancient Chinese stuff, a bit of ancient Indian, a bit of this, a bit of that, I'm like, oh, okay, Barry Big Bananas. So you know everything (laughs) (laughs) that the ancients didn't know. And however you look at it, everyone's going back to the knowledge of the indigenous, whether that's indigenous Americans or, you know, nature's nature's nature. There's nothing to demystify. There's the sun, there's the moon. You know, we eat, we digest. It's it's not a demystification, I think. It's seeing what lands, listening to your body and getting these easy wins in. Because yoga came in, was misappropriated and it's a billion dollar industry, billions and billions. Yeah. Now what's going to happen is Ayurveda will get misappropriated and taken in to make billions and billions. So what I would say is take everything with a pinch of salt because... I don't know, Bob from South End is going to te- start releasing courses and just look at if it fits with you and if it makes sense. If I, if I ask a client to do something, I'm guiding them. If it doesn't work, they really must not do it. Whether yeah. it's yoga or Ayurveda, anything in life really, it's, it's guiding, isn't it? But you are your best teacher. You're your best, I don't want to say doctor, but you know, you know your body. So you take what lands with you. I think it's important to empower yourself, really back yourself. So many people I see have no confidence and they're asking questions and we ask Google all the time. There's no due diligence on that. There's no due diligence on books. There's no due diligence about anything. I'm really passionate about people just backing themselves, trusting themselves. If your gut tells you to do, listen to your gut. If, if you really powerfully feel something, you are right above random google article or random person that you don't know on instagram if you see what i mean so it's empowering people i think is the most important thing yeah i love that and and what does the ayurvedic um teaching or the vedas teach about the soul and um you know do do you believe does everyone in india believe in past lives with the 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 way you've described earlier about the body's a vessel for this life I can't speak for India. (laughs) I can only say that um, it's more automatic that your soul goes on. And it's a a tricky subject because I've had my Vedic chart done, my Vedic astrology chart done by uh, a white American gentleman who lives in Ireland. He's amazing. And he was telling me some things about your soul, but they differ to what I have experienced. I've experienced some... Um, synchronicities and just some really beautiful powerful moments and I know that is my mum whereas technically to have someone that's educated and they're, they're amazing they're super amazing tell you that something is one way that yeah. just can't be a thing if you see what I mean and I think the wonderful thing about I say Hinduism because it's not technically a religion it's more the British that put it into a religion it's a mishmash of different traditions um whatever is true for you is true for you it's not for anybody to give you one thing and say that that is a thing so I really love Sadhguru who's a a mystic in South India I love him and he said on a podcast that that's why you call Indians seekers because you're seeking spiritual seekers you're seeking what's right for you there's not I give you this guide you do this 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 and this because there are hundreds, thousands of books from the Vedas to the Bhagavad Gita. There's so many books. Who's one who's going to read all of those books? <laughs> Two, you don't you don't know which books were burnt through colonialism. So that first book on Patanjali with the Yoga Sutras, the implication is that a book came before it. Some people say that books came before it. So it's assumed 
that you had this knowledge before you get onto this knowledge. Oh, wow. So when it comes to all this wealth of culture, it's amazing. And I think this is why Indians that I know tend to not, tend to lose it because it gets overwhelming. It's seeking your spirituality. So I'm a bit of a spiritual magpie. I went to Catholic school, so I look a bit of everything. Mm. <laughs> I've basically Same. taken on what suits me because yeah. why not? I don't mean that in a in a throwaway comment. I mean that genuinely is in there's a lot of different things that chase me that I come across and I trust myself that these things feel right. So with people in the people in India or Eastern cultures, they do believe in reincarnation. A lot of people do. Yeah. And if that's helpful, then that's brilliant. I do because I've been raised like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just do. Yeah, I think you're you're spot on there with the um the seeking and the experimental, you know, side of of life. You know, I think I've been seeking since I've been born. I've been trying to find um to make sense of myself in the world and um, it's finally landed, uh, but I'm sure I will change my mind and, and you know, dip in and out of things and move over here and there. And as I learn more, I will change and grow. And I think that's the beauty about life, isn't it? You just kind of, if you can flow with the river, then life will be easier. I think it is about flowing. I think from the last few years of people having to be have one opinion or another, be on one side or another, that creates friction and you don't have to do anything you don't have to have any opinion and why would everyone have the same opinion anyway and I think this thing about being detached is what I try and do I try it's tricky I try and be proud enough of the culture that I'm from but not attached to it because it's not mine I don't have a monopoly on being brown you know it's that balance yeah when I see offensive things which are always from yoga teachers <laughs> on Instagram, all the racist comments. When I see things like this, I automatically, I used to get really annoyed with it. But now just the detachment there, why do, you know, I don't care what everyone on the planet thinks. You've got to, someone said to me, I can't remember, it might have been Kirsty Keanu said, just stick in your lane. Yes. Yeah. And I've been a lot more detached and peaceful since then and the meditation that I did that you led based in that lovely place in Ireland yeah in um, Newgrange yes that was so beautiful and the meditation all of these things they all fit together and yoga and Ayurveda recommend meditation and your voice is lovely <laughs> to be guided to all of these things fit together and I'm sure all of our lands have had our indigenous medicine and everything it, it's all there we all you know your mum cooks food with love everybody says that's the best food to cook Mm. ayurvedically that is the best way if you eat food made with love energetically your body will take it more we all do the same thing it's just we call them different things or we have different levels of you know the knowledge that we've brought forward isn't it funny we just we have everything we need within and we just seek it externally you know and and in so many ways but that was a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for sharing that with me. And I am definitely going to be buying a tongue scraper today. Back on the... I have started the lemon juice, but I will I will mix it up. So it'll be just water in the mornings, sometimes too. And I'll be talking to my dad straight away about the fruit and the yogurt. <laughs> I'm like literally going to pick up the phone. Stop eating fruit and yogurt together. Well, I will send you, I'll see if I can find it. I'll send you, there's a guide when you sign up to my newsletter. In that guide, there are just some things to try at home yourself with Ayurveda, but I can also send you some little bullet point notes for your dad and a home remedy for something as well. Amazing. Because it just helps. I'm a bit of a, I'm not going to say expert on asthma, but I'm on my dad a lot. (laughs) And how do people work with you? So what is your... What is your balance like in the job now? How, how many clients are you able to take on at a time? And what are, you, what are you doing? I'm being flexible around clients at the moment. I'm taking a break from finance. And people normally just message me on Instagram or they message me through my website. I do say that it's a really good consultation to have to get to know yourself. If you're going to have treatment, which would include Ayurvedic herbs, and I only get the herbs 
from the Sri Lankan doctors I learned from because Amazing. I think it's really important to be careful where you get things from because for example mm. there's a high street chain I won't mention the name that sells ashwagandha in big bags and you not everybody should be taking it it depends on your balance you really should right. be seeing a practitioner um, and you don't know if they pay people fairly you know you don't know what's behind it so I only use herbs from the Ayurvedic doctors I don't use any others but if you do go down that road it does take commitment because this one week is a three-week cycle Okay. So I would just say when it comes to that part, you just need to commit because otherwise, you know, you throw your money down the drain. And lots of people do come to me equally just to have that hour of getting to know themselves and finding that balance. And a lot of the time it's just changing how you eat is enough. You don't need herbs. It's just how you eat. Okay, amazing. So lots of options and um I will put all in the show notes about how to contact you. So your Instagram and your website, etc. as well. And we'll encourage people to sign up for that download. So thank you. Brilliant. Thank you so much for having me today. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed this chat and have had a few light bulb moments. Have a think about what your key takeaways are. Please do subscribe, follow or leave a rating or a view to help this podcast reach more people I really really appreciate it don't forget to check out my website to take my quiz and start ramping up your self-care practices www.tappingformums.com 